Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Does anyone have any unrational or irrational fears? Okay, good. Yeah, me too, right? <laughs> you got a lot of rational ones. I know that. We can... We could rationalize that all day long. I, I, uh, as, I, as I was enjoying our bell choir this morning, I realized I can add one more to the list of irrational fears. Can you imagine having the bells in your hand and going, nope, that's the wrong time. I am so impressed. <laughs> so impressed. I, I can add that one to my fears. Um, I, I also have a fear of camels, and it is very rational. Um, I had a moment in my life as a young child where a camel and I didn't get along. Uh, the camel didn't want me on its back and growled at me as an eight-year-old. It is a very rational fear. And you can ask any one of our students uh, who are in middle school or high school, they'll tell you the story. It is, and there's, he's, he's nodding his head in affirmation, right? He remembers. He's in the corner, right? I, it's a rational fear. I was eight, and the camel didn't want me on the back. And at that point, I didn't want to be on it either. We come to a passage in our scripture this morning where the disciples are gathered together and they're afraid. They're afraid of a massive change that has just happened. They've heard about the news of Jesus' resurrection, but they've also seen firsthand the crucifixion, and the brutality of it. And they're fearful of that moment in their own lives where the religious leaders might come knocking at the door for them. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to open them with me to John chapter 20. We're going to begin in verse 19. And Jesus has just appeared to Mary Magdalene. And she has reported to them that Jesus is alive. And they're gathered together in a moment. Hear the word of the Lord. On the evening of that first day, verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were gathered together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I can't imagine what it was like for these disciples. I'd like to think that I have them figured out. But I don't. I can put together a couple of scenarios in my mind. 
First and foremost, right, they're gathered together after Jesus' resurrection, after his death and resurrection. They're gathered. So I give them kudos for that. Like, yes, you should be together. Like, safety in numbers, right? But then at the same time, man, if I were one of the disciples, I might have scattered and gone, right? Because if I'm afraid, I'm going to not, I don't want to be anywhere near any of them. Because if we're all caught, we're all going down. And I wonder what that moment was like as they experienced and saw Jesus firsthand. I wonder about the peace that they received from Jesus, that they experienced firsthand in the midst of their fear in the midst of their insecurities, in the midst of all of the things going on in their lives, all of the thoughts they were experiencing because they thought they were next. And I see a couple of things take place in this moment. The doors are locked, John tells us, or the doors are shut. And some translations tell us they're locked and bolted. And Jesus appears to them. And I'm thinking, how did he get in? How did he get in the room? And there are scholars who have written volumes and volumes about the metaphysical, the the different dimensions of this world. And those I'll leave to the physicists because that's their expertise. What I see in this passage in this moment for the disciples is Jesus giving them a gift. He comes and he stands in their midst. In the midst of their fear, rational or irrational, it doesn't matter to Jesus. The gift of Christ's presence in our lives is truly a gift. You might be experiencing fear in your life. And I can't help but think that when Jesus is there, it's because you're afraid and because he loves you that he is there. And that there is no other person that can get to the space and to the places in your life and in my life that Jesus can be in the presence of. There is no doctor in my life who can get to the space in me that Jesus is there. There's no counselor, there's no therapist, there's no pastor who can enter into the space that I don't want anyone else in. And Jesus comes immediately into that space. What a beautiful gift that we're not alone in this moment of fear. What a beautiful gift that Jesus in his resurrected form can enter into the space, the dark spaces of your life and my life that we want no one else to be a part of. And he's not afraid of it. There's a book that I share with our our students. Uh, The title is uh, My Heart, Christ's Home. And if you've read it, it's a little... 20 pages. 
And it's a beautiful little book that talks about allowing Jesus into those spaces of our lives. And if you're like me or anybody in my family, when we have guests over, we want to prepare all of the spaces. And Jesus comes knocking at the door. And you open it in this book. It tells us the account. And you say, hi, Jesus. It's good to see you. The living room is prepared for you. Come on in. Come sit down on the couch. I've moved all the magazines that were on the coffee, to- uh, the coffee table that were inappropriate, so you don't have to worry about those anymore. Oh, oh, Jesus, would you like something to drink? Yes, I would. Okay, let me, let me go into the kitchen and, and get you a glass of water. Would you like tea or coffee? Oh, yeah, that would, you know, that, you know, I'll come with you. Oh, no, no, Jesus, you can't come into the kitchen. It's not prepared for you yet. Oh, no, no, it's okay. Let me, let me come into the kitchen and help you. And Jesus comes into the kitchen, and as, as you rush into the kitchen and put all the pieces together, make sure it's clean and tidy, and there's no dirt anywhere, Jesus comes into that space and says, I'm here. You go, well, I need to go upstairs and get something. Hold on a second. And you go upstairs, and Jesus, can I come upstairs? No, 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 it's not ready for you to come upstairs to that room. It's a mess. And Jesus says, it's Okay. I understand. I know the pain and the anguish that you're experiencing and the fear that you're experiencing and the hurt that you're experiencing. I know the uncertainty that you're experiencing, but I'm here. Let me in to those spaces. And I think in this moment for the disciples, what a beautiful breath of fresh air. What a beautiful gift in this moment that he would give his disciples. The door's locked. They're terrified of death. And Jesus appears in that space and says, peace be with you. What another gift from our Lord Jesus. The gift of peace. Oh my. And it's not just the absence of conflict. We think peace and we think there is the absence of conflict in our lives. So therefore, there is peace. But the word peace in in his mind and in the Jewish mind is a wholeness, a completeness, a rest that only Jesus can provide. That only Jesus can give in these moments for which they are deeply afraid. And I don't know about you, but I could use that peace that surpasses all knowledge. I could use that peace in a world that seems upside down at this moment. I could use that peace and certainty, especially when I'm worried about the future. And Jesus says, don't worry about it. There's enough trouble today. Stay in this moment. For tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. And what a wonderful gift that Jesus gives them. The gift of peace. And I can't imagine. Can you imagine what their their response was? (laughs) Is it you? Is it really you? 
And he says, yes, it's me. I'm not a ghost. Can I? We, we read in Luke's gospel, he sits down and eats with them. And he says, look, there's the holes in my hands. I'm, I'm a real person. Look, I got flesh. It's not going to go through me. Look at the hole in my side. It is you, Jesus. You weren't lying. You were telling us the truth. You know, there's this peace and assurance that they feel and experience that we dis- desperately need in this world and that you and I have access to because Christ dwells in us and lives and walks with us in the uncertain times of life. And I couldn't help but think, he breathed on them. That seems weird. I hope he brushed his teeth because that's gross. But no, it's an image that John is hearkening us back to. It's an image that John is hearkening us back to that, that gives life. In that peace, we receive life. As our sister Jan read in Genesis chapter 2 where, where God fashions man out of the dust. And what does God do? Provides the breath of life. I can't help but think that maybe, maybe the disciples felt dead and lost. And they needed to be reminded and shown God's breath of life in them. That Jesus provides that life for them to live life to the fullest. And Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit. Here's the Holy Spirit and says, as I have sent, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. You to be my witnesses. In in Matthew, we know this as the Great Commission. This is, I think, John's Great Commission. As Jesus sends his disciples and gives them the blessing and the, the peace, the gift of being sent into the world. That seems such a scary, scary place. I think about what it takes to be a disciple who is sent into the world. And man, I am so impressed by so many of our students. They kind of get this. Um, they get the idea that God is sending them into their campuses to be the light to a dark world, to be a reflection of God's light, to be a reflection of God's hope and grace and mercy. I don't, you may have heard, you may not have heard, um, but our, our middle school club at, at Coronado Middle School sees, we see somewhere between 50 and 65, 70 students at, the, at lunch. And it is totally their free time. And it's not because I'm there, that's for sure. I'm the old guy. All I do is bring pizza and water. All the students do the work. They're like, hey, come, come to Club Blank. We're going to play some games. We'll feed you. And this group is growing and growing and growing because they get what it means to be sent. 
And to be honest with you, sometimes they're a little afraid because they don't have all the answers. But that's not going to stop them because they know they have the power of the Holy Spirit behind them. And with the power of the Holy Spirit behind them, who can be against them? Who can be against them? They just did this, uh, they were challenged, both Club Blank and Club Converge um, at the high school. They were, they were given a mini grant. It's called Project 25. And every year they accept this challenge of being sent into the world. And it is a really beautiful moment. They're given a mini grant of $100, both clubs, and they're charged to do something with it, to invest it, to multiply it, to grow it, and then in the process of doing that, drawing a community together and expanding the kingdom of heaven here and now. So they gathered together this last Friday and they hosted what what they did, what they called was uh, a, a trivia night. And let me tell you, we had, uh, we, had, we had people of all ages. We had eight-year-olds on up. And I'll let you figure out what the cap is, because I don't want to assume anyone's age in the room. So we'll just, on up. They were older than me. Let's say I'm the oldest person. We'll just say that. We'll just leave it at that, right? I mean, and eight-year-olds all the way up, and they were playing trivia and having fun and laughing. And you know what their objective was? To raise funds for the San Diego Rescue Mission. That a silent auction and donations were made. And their goal is to work alongside of the rescue mission and create some volunteer opportunities so that their peers are regularly going to the rescue mission to serve and to volunteer. They get it. They get the concept and the idea of being sent. The gift that Jesus gives us and says, you are being sent with my peace. But sometimes I think we're afraid because we don't have the answer when someone asks us, well, how do you know that Jesus is real? Well, how do you, how do you answer that question? I hope you answer it this way, like the disciples do. I've seen him. I've seen him. He gave me the gift of his presence in my life in the darkest spaces and in the joyful spaces. That is my gift from him. And let me introduce him to you because he is wonderful and beautiful and offers me forgiveness and grace that I couldn't do on my own. Come and see. That's what these students are saying. Come and see. Come and see the joy that is set before him that is us. That's a wonderful message for us this morning. To think about how Jesus shows up. And there's, there's lots of conversation about this last, these last two pieces. Specifically about the Holy Spirit being given. Because they're asking the question, well, wait, doesn't the Holy Spirit come at Pentecost? Well, John didn't know that. Some respond, well, John is talking about the Holy Spirit being given to the disciples. Whether this was a precursor or not, doesn't matter. Jesus is sending them out into the world. Go and be the light that is a reflection of me. And I'm sending you out with the comforter. 
And then the last piece of this that has me, that had me kind of troubled for a little while. Not long, but enough. Where Jesus says in verse 23, he says, If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus, I thought you were the only one who had the authority to forgive sins. You made that very clear. And Mark, when when you were reading their minds, you were teaching and reading the minds of those, and you said, is it easier to tell this man to be healed and get up and walk or to forgive sins? Why do you doubt? Jesus, you're the only one who can forgive sins. I think I've come to the conclusion that we, as the church, as Jesus is telling his disciples, not that we have the authority to forgive sins, but we can affirm in one another that our sins are forgiven. We can affirm and see in each other that Christ dwells in us and that our sins are forgiven. Maybe it looks like this. Maybe it looks like this in community. I don't know about you, sometimes I I wrestle with doubt and I wrestle with guilt and I wrestle with shame. And I have brothers and sisters in my life who know that. And you know what they say to me? You are forgiven. Oh. Oh. It's like the breath of life being breathed on me. I'll take it. I need that. I want that. Remind me that I am forgiven. A beloved child of God in whom Christ dwells and I live in the unshakable kingdom of God. That's a really wonderful place to dwell. And the church, we get to speak that truth to one another. And Jesus is reminding us of that very fact. You have the opportunity to go into the world and be sent by Jesus to proclaim the good news. The captives set free to know that God is good to a world that is dark and in desperate need of a Savior. Even when you're afraid, Jesus is there. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. So how do you receive this? How do you receive these gifts? First and foremost, by receiving Jesus. By walking with him, by trusting him, by letting him lead. And sometimes that's hard. Because sometimes he leads me places I don't want to go. But those are the places where I need to be. Those are the places where God has trusted me to be in that very moment. And so if you don't know Jesus, I can't think of a better person to follow who is an example, a reflection of God's perfect love for us to follow. 
And when we follow him, life makes sense. Life just makes sense. And there is a deep sense of peace in the midst of fear and heartache when we trust him. And I promise you, just as Jesus promises, he's already gone before you. The questions you're going to get when you say, hey, let me show you who Jesus is, you already got the answer. Amen? Amen. Amen.